Hey, it's Simeon here with you. Welcome back to my YouTube channel. We're at Phenomicon in Vernal, Utah. This is, I think, the second or third Phenomicon. And uh, I have a special guest with us. There's been a lot of great presentations, but I happen to run into James Shupsky, who we met uh, a couple months ago at his Margie's Outdoor Store, where we did a really great interview, and he told us about uh, Benjamin Washington. Mm -hmm. Uh, all of the paranormal phenomena, for lack of a better word, cryptids and sightings of orbs and UFOs in and around that area. And James, as I mentioned in the previous video, is the only person that I've ever met that has a reporting station inside his store for folks to come in and file their reports of what they see in and around the Hood River, Cascades, Mount Adams, Mount Rainier area. And so, James, you said uh, you have over 200 reports now? Yeah, yeah. So we've had um, close to 220 reports. Um, and they come in a bunch of different ways. You know, we've got the physical forms that people fill out. We're now online at margiesoutdoorstore.com. People can do it online. It's very yeah. important. You can just go to... And then a lot of folks uh, contact me via Facebook. Uh, often we'll get stopped in the street, you know, the grocery store or the post office, and people will tell me their stories. And um, so we were talking earlier, there's a really interesting thing that's happening. We are getting tons and, uh, I shouldn't say tons, a lot of the reports seem to be um, just one-off creatures, uh, one-off cryptids, things that don't seem to have, um, we don't get a lot of, like the ape cat, we've had over 70 reports. Some of these, it's just a single but highly credible report of a really unusual animal or being of some type. Um, so we've had, there are these, uh, the devil dogs. We've had the praying mantis head creature. We've had gremlin-like creatures that are uh, probably 24 inches tall with big ears and gray fur. There's another hairy creature that was 20 foot tall, it was reported. And, um, and then a frilled snake. And so uh, just this whole menagerie of strange creatures. A lot of times it's just one person filing a report. And, um, and so we're trying to make sense of how this is happening and why it's happening. My leading theory is that maybe it's a, we're at a crossroads of some type where things are passing through. Um, yeah, and to give you a, a little bit of detail on some of these, uh, the devil dog story, a woman contacted me on Facebook and she told me about this really strange encounter she had in the forest just southwest of Mount Adams. And uh, her family happened to be camping out out there, so I uh, drove out there and they drove me 11 miles to the site where they had the actual encounter. So it was her, her, her son who was, I think, 14 at the time, and then her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend now, and uh, that individual's brother. And they all saw the same phenomenon. Uh, they were camping. Uh, there was things moving around outside of the tent. Uh, they believed that something actually turned off an LED light strand. Uh, and this was something that had a switch, so it's the kind of thing that you can't bump it. You have to manipulate Wow. We turned off the lights. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they got out, and they were sitting on the campfire. They heard a whistling, so the sun started whistling back, and then uh, the whistles got closer until they were then surrounded. The whole camp was surrounded by whistling creatures. Uh, they estimated you know, between 8 to 12. Uh, all just sort of hanging on outside of the uh, edge of the firelight. <clears throat> they had the clear sense that these creatures were able to stand up on their on their hind legs and that they were some type of four-legged creatures. As the sun started to rise, they could see them jumping around and um, they described them 
as dog-like creatures, but definitely not dogs or wolves of any kind. Um, they said that they were hairless, gray-skinned, about the size of a Great Dane. Uh, they caught, uh, they had positive visual identification of two of them, and as the sun rose, they seemed to be afraid of the sun, and they took off into the forest. So that's just one. more like an animal again, more yeah. more animal-like than yeah. they didn't get the feeling it was some sort of human-animal hybrid. Definitely no. some sort of animal, but no, animal no none of us have ever seen before. Exactly, and they yeah. were really clear on the description that. You know, I probed them, was it like wolf-like, was it dog-like, was it Great Dane-like? And they said, no, we're just using Great Dane because it's the size, size. Yeah, yeah. but um, no fur at all. And, you know, as I looked at the literature, I don't see anything that sort of matches that. Um, these little people, yeah. uh, there's a guy who saw this creature, gray fur, standing in the middle of the road. And uh, he had to actually drive around it because it wouldn't move when he 18 saw it. to 25 inches. Yeah, 18 to 25 inches tall. Uh, with big gremlin-like ears and we've had a couple of reports of things like that of small humanoid-like beings and then of course there's this 20-foot tall uh, hairy creature and when i asked the reporting parties about this i said so was this like a sasquatch i said oh absolutely not it was something completely different uh, interestingly this sighting took place at night there were street lights there uh, on one side was an orchard on the other side was a uh, sort of a uh, an airport that the military uses occasionally. I've seen military choppers, you know, convoys of choppers parked there and stuff like that. Um, and they saw it coming at them at night. And of course, they were terrified and ran away. But again, this really large hairy creature, apparently bipedal, but, but not a Sasquatch. So not a Sasquatch. Did not have that feeling. Different body yeah, proportions. Different body. And they sent me a twenty uh, feet high. Yeah. This is way up. <laughs> yeah. So they sent me a painting of a creature they said looked like what it was yeah. and it was this sort of um, large humanoid hairy thing uh, my daughter saw a frilled snake we were uh, off-roading and she looked out the window when we pulled over to let another car pass so there's a big snake out there dad a big snake uh, about four feet long uh, yellowish brown in color with frills on the side of its head that were sort of like these spikes with webbing between them and they faded from a pink color to uh, the yellow color by the head. She was very clear in her description of it. And, and she was describing something she had seen seconds ago. And um, she didn't think that there was anything unusual about it, but you know, I know a little bit about the wildlife in the area and there are no frilled snakes, there are no frilled lizards. There's nothing, no scientifically recognized animal like that anywhere near the gorge or I don't even think in Western United States. And so, um, we keep on getting these reports. For me, highly credible. My daughter, who I know when she's making stuff up and not making stuff, sees a snake with frills on its head. My employee sees a three-foot-tall humanoid creature standing side of the road at two o'clock in the morning with a praying mantis-like head. We've got these devil dogs and these small gremlins. This, this could be like what the Native Americans described as the bugwas, the little people, yeah. something like that. And there's definitely those legends are. Um, replete in the area like this replete uh, so this there's a history of this it's not just yeah. modern people seeing this you look in the history of the people indigenous peoples they describe mm -hmm. these creatures too yeah you know and the area has got a history of it there was right after st helens erupted this bat squatch creature that reported a couple of times it was like an enormous creature with 40 foot wingspan 
Bat Squatch. Yeah. That's a new one for me, James. I've never yeah. heard of Bat Squatch. But there's like this rash of reports uh, for a couple of months around the eruption of Mount St. Helens, and then it dried up in the 1930s at the mouth of the Columbia. So the mouth of the Columbia is known as the graveyard of the Pacific. Uh, there's been over 2,000 ships lost there. And for comparison, the Bermuda Triangle has lost 300 ships. So this place is one of the most treacherous navigational areas in the world. And in the 1930s, there was a rash of sea monster sightings down there. Uh, large 40 to 60 foot long creatures swimming in the water, long snake You mentioned neck, that, right. And um, camel-like head. It matches uh, descriptions in the Native American stories, uh, but uh, supernatural beings called ayahos, which are often associated with landslides in turbulent water. Ayahos. Ayahos, yeah. So it's been a really, um, really interesting to see these kind of things. Like there's no, like as I try to think about how do I talk about these things? How do I do Well, them? we were, you know, we were just mentioning this idea that you mentioned to me a couple days ago here at the conference, mm -hmm. which is that the Columbia Gorge area has special geography and topology. You're mentioning how it was a, a rift of lava opened up between yeah. what's now Idaho and Washington. Mm -hmm. how, how long ago? So it was 15 million years ago. This 15. 112 mile long rift opened in the earth, giant crack. And for about 3 million years, it was. Uh, it was volcanically active, and um, trillions of gallons of lava poured out of this thing. Um, in some places, it's three miles thick. But these eruptive episodes happened over 300, over 300 different times. So there's 300 different lava flows that they've recorded, and they can tell because they can see where the one lava flow is. And there's usually some organic material gets built up over you know 10,000. 100,000 years, and then this next flow comes in and fills it up. And so in the gorge, we've got these 600 foot, 1,000 foot tall walls, but they're made up of what they call a layer cake of these lava flows. And they, when they cool, they form these hexagonal basalt columns. Um, that whole area of the Palouse and that whole area yeah. is known for these columns. Yeah. So what's interesting is I was looking at uh, the geology of it, and each time one of those flows comes across, as it cools, all of the magnetically active material in it orients towards the Earth's magnetic north pole at the time that it's cooling. And that gets locked into the rock in that orientation. Well, some of these are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years apart. And the magnetic north pole has wandered over 700 miles in the last 100 years. So what happens is, as each of these flows come in, as got it's it. cooling, it's a different magnetic orientation. And so yeah. every one of those layers has got a jumble. It's got a different locked-in magnetic orientation to it. And then we had those great floods 15,000 years ago, and it stripped it all clear. So all of that is exposed like a live wire. And I think that that and all the hydroelectric power in the area contribute to this really nuanced and textured electromagnetic environment. And that may be shifting people's perceptual abilities so they are able to perceive things that they normally don't. It, that's a very interesting idea, James. So it's that these creatures exist, and maybe they exist in other places, but people's perception is different in this area because of these non-ordinary magnetic fields, higgledy-piggledy mm -hmm. magnetic fields pointing all different directions. Exactly. From millions of years of lava, dry, dry, you know, solidifying in different directions. So people are seeing something that's there, but maybe they normally wouldn't see it mm -hmm. because their their perception's different. Yeah. You and mentioned compasses not working in some yeah. areas around so there. So when you look at the government maps, um, 
They, all the navigational maps have bright pink letters on them say warning your magnetic compass readings. Oh, it off. says that right there on the map. Oh yeah, it's it's 100% verified. Yeah. So it's not even like a, a question uh, that this is the case. Um, and then I think it's 44% of all the hydroelectric power in the United States comes from the Columbia River. And so that river has been dammed 14 times and it generates billions of kilowatts of energy every year. And each one of the dams is generating that. And then it's transmitting it over these high power um, tension lines, right? And so on top of all of the crazy magnetic stuff that's happening geologically, we've got this electrical infrastructure crisscrossing the whole area. Right, right. And so it's, I, I, I'm, again, I'm trying to think of what kind of, what is it about this place that makes it so active? And I think that there's a piece of the puzzle lies in that geology. The geology and the electrical grid yeah all add up to make a non-ordinary anomalous electromagnetic distribution yeah or patterns that we don't see anywhere else probably in the world yeah and just you know, and and that's a very interesting way to look at it well you look at the work of michael persinger dr persinger with the god helmet and he yeah, was able yeah. to induce all kinds of perceptual changes in people right right not by a strong magnetic field but by a complex magnetic field so it's almost like the language complex of the field magnetic field is what matters more than the strength of the field and so this place is there's so much going on there that we may be so, affecting our brain it, it's it, yeah it's it's affecting our brain but it also suggests to me the idea of parallel realities it yes. just suggests this that there are things that are there all the time, maybe in the space around us right here, but you don't see it because your perceptions, somehow when your perception gets shifted, you can see a, a reality that's been there the whole time that we didn't really perceive yeah. and interact with. Yeah, that's one way to look at it at least, yeah. And there, there seems to be something more to it because yeah. physical evidence is left behind. Like we are able to take pictures of yes. orbs and UFOs and different things. We see footprints, we see air samples. You mentioned the triangular craft over the dam in the last yeah, previous yeah. interview. Yeah. yeah, and so, so many different reports like that. And so we are definitely, things are not just like, we're not just perceiving them, like they may be entering our space just as much as our perception is changing, their perception may be changing and allowing them to, to Oh, so their, their perception's changing too, their reality, it, we're kind of coming together at a common frequency, a yeah. common, uh, yeah, because the, the electrical distribution, the magnetic distribution is so particular that we're getting particular creatures yeah. that uh, gravitate to that frequency. It's not something like that. We can't totally work it out. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, really interesting stuff. James, thanks again. Uh, great, just fantastic information. <laughs> Always we'll, a pleasure. We'll see you at Margie's Outdoor Store. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And thanks for watching. We'll see you in the next video. Take care for now and bye.